What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Bye. All right, Darren. That's the spirit, man. That's my best. I think it's a. That's my best imitation I can make of your of your your morning chirpiness. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say uh, imitation is the best form of flattery, right? Yeah, Isn't yeah, that yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah, nobody yeah. until I somebody think... hates you. Uh. That's what they say. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what? Well, what does that mean, Terence? You fucking hate me? Is it? No, nothing. Uh. I think we just bring out all these quotes. Uh. <laughs> No, I think I think it probably is the difference that today we are recording when there's daylight. Mm, mm, correct, correct. Right, like like you can I think speak a bit louder. I also can speak a little bit louder. There's, there's sunshine coming into my room. Yeah, but it doesn't mean yeah. that doesn't mean that uh, the world is all nice and perfect yet though. Yeah la. Still a lot of hey, shit going on. I told on. you I'm trying to fucking make my glass half full gradually, right? <laughs> but you just dip your fingers in it and just like sprinkle like scooped up some of the fucking water. Yeah, yeah, but but. But I mean, one thing I did want to say is that the last podcast we did uh, this past weekend, which we talked where we talked about the the shit show that is the Malaysian political situation that we uploaded on Sunday while the Agong was meeting with his royal council to decide the outcome of Muhyiddin's request to put Malaysia into the state of emergency. Well, there's been some updates since then. Mm. Uh, I guess if you haven't already heard, the Agong said, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. He basically told Mu. Okay, first of all, Terence, how do you pronounce the Malaysian PM's name? Mu Idin. Correct. Why Why the break? It's not, there's no hyphen or anything. Can you just say it? Mu Idin. Yes, yes. Correct. Yes. Fucking like Sesame Street like that. So. <laughs> what is Mu? What is Idin? Now together, Mu Idin. Mu Idin. Yeah. Correct. Mu Idin. Um, so, so, yeah, the Agong said no to to giving, granting his wish to put Malaysia into a state of emergency, which uh, the political pundits out there said was just a tactic by Muhyiddin to kind of delay presenting the budget he was proposing to Parliament um, in the hopes of still getting that across the line via a backdoor. Because if the state if state is in emergency, there's no Parliament and the government can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So the Agung, like a boss, he said no, but he still appealed uh, for the Malaysian politicians to kind of put their differences aside and focus on the budget to get the economy back on track, like, which I thought, Hmm. Okay, the Agong is not as ceremonial as I as I thought lah. So that's yeah. that's good. No better, he's like flexing right now, eh? Yeah, he's no that's longer why. no longer just a figurehead, uh. He's like, oh, he said no, then that's it. Everyone's like, oh, okay, move on. Yeah. He's like Abang Agong now. Yeah. Previously it was just Agong, now he's Abang Agong. <laughs> I mean it's quite interesting, like, I think a lot of uh people who listen to our podcast commented saying, you know, or commented on message uh, saying that they learned a lot about Malaysia politics. But honestly, oh, right, I felt like yeah. uh, we I, I didn't really feel like we really uh, learned or taught a lot about anything. All we did was just talk about how confused we were about Malaysia politics. But apparently it's so confusing that just talking through it actually probably helps people wrap their heads around it. Lah. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I think that is 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 essentially uh I guess helpful because yeah. I before we started prepping for that podcast, I also was a little confused. But mm. I think yeah, uh, putting it together. So so that's where I guess uh, it's good to know that our attempts at understanding it ourselves makes it easier for other people to understand lah. Yeah, but that's Malaysia yeah, politics also, for you lah. Is yeah, is uh, uh, you'll never be able to wrap your head fully around it, and just knowing what is going on is already probably like more than ninety percent of what people already know about the situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. <That's> why. <laughs> no, and I must give a shout out to Sudin, uh, P S E U D E I N, uh, one of our beloved subredditors for shitting on Terence's pronunciation of the mm-hmm. PM's name, la. 
Mm. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, lah, they, it was a very <laughs> academic breakdown of it. but uh, It was. Yeah, I think, it was, but I think your, the way you pronounce Sudin also wrong though. And I think how, specifically, how, how you? I think it's meant to be Sudine. Are you sure? I, I think he, I think he breaks it down. Or he or she breaks it down himself in the in in that post. So you never read the post, lah. You just celebrate the fact that it's very <laughs> that he's called me, lah. Right? That's all. You just I don't mean, read. You don't. You just see the headline. Then you happy only, lah. Right? No, <laughs> no. Okay, okay. Sudin. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, literally in the same post, he's saying that's not how you pronounce his name, right? Okay, it's the second last paragraph. Okay. Uh, okay. So I just read the the first five. The last two, I bookmarked it to read it after this podcast. So got give me it, a fucking it. break, man. Okay, okay. So thanks, Sudin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we well, we have a very serious thing to talk about this week. But before mm. that, uh, 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 shall, I, shall I do the plug, yeah. uh, plug away? Um, I guess why we're always heartened by reading messages uh, where from people who say our podcast either helps them understand something or brightens their day or makes them smile or makes them think about something is because yeah uh, that's 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 what we started this podcast hoping that's what we hope this podcast would achieve so if you feel that way uh, it would be great if you could share it with at least one person uh, who may have not have heard of us before because our podcast has been growing organically and it's been fucking great and we just want to yeah, if if there's there is value, then we just want to share it with as many people as possible. Yep. So thanks for sharing. Yep. Cool. All right. On now to on to the serious shit. What yes. is the the serious the serious shit that's going on in the world, Terence? Um, recently there's been a huge backlash around in Muslim majority countries against the French president Macron, uh, because of yeah. certain certain remarks that he's made about uh, Islam. And uh, and a recent uh, so-called crackdown on on uh, radical Islam in France. Uh. So mm. uh, I'm sure you have the historical context of like what has been happening the last month, right? Yes, I do. So um, I mean, like um, the there was something on that happened on 16 October 2020, which was just I read the headline also. I'm like, what the fuck? How the fuck can this happen? Mm. So essentially, what happened was a French middle school teacher who during a class on freedom of expression that he was teaching to 13, 14 year olds in class, I think two weeks prior to 16 October, he he showed them the, the controversial Charlie Hebdo cartoons. Charlie Hebdo is a satirical um, publication in France uh, who has their own list of controversies. Most famously mm-hmm. in 2015, the Charlie Hebdo shootings where 12 of their employees were gunned down uh, by attackers in protest of Charlie Hebdo showing these images of the Prophet Muhammad um, cartoons, drawn as uh. a caricature. Yeah, yeah. Cartoons, cartoons. So that happened in 2015. It was fucking horrible. It, mm. it, it, uh, it became a global issue. Um, and over the past few years, you do get certain tensions between um, like the 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 French government and Islam or French public and Islam. Um, mm. But this one, what happened was, yeah, so the middle school teacher taught a class and he apparently even told the students beforehand, okay, if you are, if you might be offended by this, I'm going to show this, you are free to step out of the class. Mm. So he showed the pictures. Um, one of the parents of the students found out and became quite uh, evangelical about how that's uh, that's blasphemous and, and, and an affront to Muslims. Um, he started like kind of uh, getting support from other parents and, and uh, quite a prominent imam 
um, and there were videos shared uh, where the imam uh, or, or individuals in the community were labeling the teacher as a thug and that kind of spread. Of course, that itself was polarizing. But then there was this 18-year-old guy who mm. caught wind of that and started find started trying to identify the teacher and on 16th October, he waited outside the school. He got he apparently got help from some students to identify the teacher in exchange for money. And when the teacher came out, he fucking just stabbed him like nine times and beheaded him mm. on a street nearby. Like. In broad daylight, right? Um, in broad daylight. Yeah. And apparently after that, um, there was a Twitter account which has been identified or has been suspected to be linked to the killer uh, mm. where there was an image of the teacher's severed head posted like, with a caption kind of uh, like praising um, the uh, Allah and and uh, kind of shitting on Macron and the liberal uh, French government and all that. Mm-hmm. Like. And then when um, he, a few minutes later, the killer was confronted by police about 600 meters from the scene. Um, the police tried to arrest him. He shot them with their air rifle and in the end, they shot him and killed him. Mm. And then on the phone, they found uh, a text by the killer claiming responsibility and a photograph of the teacher's body. Mm. So since then, um, there has been, I mean, that itself, given the nature of the fucking heinous crime, it caused a lot of protests in support for teachers, essentially. Um, But uh, during a farewell ceremony for for the victim, the the president, the prime minister, I mean, uh, Macron, did kind of um he 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 said certain things that kind of uh, were taken in in polarizing ways basically he said that the incident was a typical islamic terrorist attack um and kind of stood strong on the fact that they will not be victim to uh islamic jihad- jihadism la, and that there's no place for this sort of uh, things in a country that is as secular as france mm. so that was a statement. That's essentially the statement. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that is what caused the backlash that Tyrone spoke about in the Muslim world. Mm, so that's right. what that's what has happened now. And then since then, there's been a lot of talk about, okay, uh, from the like the perspective of like, okay, Macron shouldn't be saying these kind of religious things. Then there's also a, the a lot of people within France as well saying that you know it's good that our prime minister stands for secularism, and mm. we decided to talk about it because that is this is one incident, but. The whole French, uh, France and secularism and re- religious expression has a fuckload of history. Mm. So that's my, that's my long-winded spiel of what has happened up to this point. Yeah. And I think uh, besides just that, that incident, I think there was also another incident of a knife man uh, attacking, attacking people at the scene of the Charlie, where the Charlie Hebdo attacks happened. Uh. Uh, mm. I don't know whether it was an anniversary or, or something, but but this was uh, in September, towards the end of September as well. So there's a lot of tension in the air, obviously, in France. And uh, I think it's bled over to uh, a lot of other parts of the world. So literally, there was a huge anti-France rally in Bangladesh over mm. over Macron's uh, defense of uh, you know free speech via showing these images as well as saying basically saying things like that uh, I mean he said I think he's quoted as saying that Islam is in a crisis and mm. there's a you know there's a need to create a, yeah more enlightenment the religion and a more moderate version of Islam in France like a, you know a French version of it you know to to be in line with the secular secular policies of the country so 
Um, I think a lot of people are taking issue, a lot of Muslims especially, are taking issue with uh, the broad generalization of the entire religion being in crisis and uh, not, not just in Bangladesh, but even in like uh, as, as close by as Indonesia and even in Malaysia, Anwar also made a statement against yeah. um, what Macron said. Lah. So, so it's it's a huge backlash. I don't know, in Singapore, we've not heard anything about it or any, anyone from uh, the Muslim community responding to this here, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I also was was a little surprised um but yeah maybe that there's more reasons for that as well yeah so i mean that's the 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 probably the broad strokes of of everything like, but i wanted to ask you so like what 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 do you what was your uh when when you saw what macron said like, do you immediately feel like yeah yeah this guy went overboard and 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 maybe he did he overgeneralize too much or what what was your feeling about it I mean, when I read that, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is mm. going to cause a fuck ton of issues. Lah. Because, yeah. okay, so the the when I was reading up about it, I also realized from reading up about it that, okay, because in France, they have a history of prioritizing freedom of expression over religious views. Lah. There mm. was the, uh, in air quotes, the burqa ban that was mm. in, uh, instituted in 2004, I think, and kind of yep. enforced in 2011. Um mm. The whole French secularism thing goes all the way back to 1905, yep. which I also didn't know beforehand. And yeah. there's a there's a French term which I don't know how to pronounce, and this is where I'll need to refer to you and your history with French, uh, yeah. uh French, because for context, you spent one year in France. Uh, no lah. I mean, I studied abroad in France for like was about six months. almost two semesters. Uh, yeah, six months. So it's one year lah. No, no, but Two not full year. year right? But summer holidays you don't spend there, and you know that kind of thing. Okay, like in total, okay, spend, like ten months, lah. I spent one summer there and one spring, one spring and spring slash summer there, lah. So, so, sort of. So about nine months, lah. Eight, uh, yeah, eight yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 yeah whatever, lah. Let's just put the math aside. Okay, yeah, I spent some time. So there. no, but <laughs> but enough for you to come back with a French accent, lah. Like you know those people who go to America come back with American accent. Yeah, that's why I pronounce I pronounce the Malaysian PM's name wrongly, yeah. Because yeah, I was going yeah, by the yeah, French, okay. the French way, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off, lah. Okay, so so how do you pronounce the laicite or something? Le le l a i c i t e. Have you heard the term? Lacite. I mean, yeah. the whole principle of lacite is about um, yeah, lah. Uh, it it's it's it has to do with secularism, lah. Mm. So there's a long history, and when wait, I wait, wait, we talk all about that, then that's and that's all you have to say about the word. It just has to do with secularism. <laughs> That's all it means. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what it means I mean, to be honest. But but laicite. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll, okay. The term separation of church and state. I think is is yeah lah, Like born out nineteen oh five was was very was a very famous, uh, very famous uh movement lah, Right. Yeah. That, that we know for sure lah, In France, yeah. There's a very big yeah, so- uh, res- uh. There's a very big line they draw between uh the church and the state. Nah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is what secularism is in French, like laïcité. Oh, is That's it? That's what. Oh, yeah, okay, the, okay. The, the French term for secularism. Mm. Yeah, lah, basket. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's all this word history which I'm not gonna yeah. go into. But the reason I bring all that up is that that kind of informed my first impression when I heard Macron say this. Mm. Um, and I think, I mean, ultimately, it might not be what he feels, but I think as the the prime minister of France, he kind of has to say that, <laughs> unfortunately, because it's so embedded in their culture. Um, and yeah, I think 
not to say okay not to say he I think yeah he has to say that I honestly don't know how what is the best way for him to react but he said that and yeah like, the backlash was something that was inevitable and honestly I'm like holy shit so I'm th- so thankful I'm not a fucking politician mm-hmm. I think we that was put- that was my mind yeah yeah, I have to put into context where they are. Now, I think France is probably like about a year plus away from the next elections. And yeah. uh, they are fighting the coronavirus. In fact, they are, they just went, I think they just went to lockdown again. Uh, the record number of deaths or, deaths or something like that. I think they're, they're like 30, 30 plus thousand deaths already in France. They went to lockdown until December. They're hoping to be able to celebrate Christmas uh, a bit more normally. Um but yeah, so so there's probably a lot of pressure. Plus the fact that, I mean, all across Europe and I mean not not just in Europe but the whole world, you know, all these uh, far right authoritarian figures uh, seem to be get, getting more popularity as well uh, at the polls. So yeah. Macron, you know, initially when you remember when Macron first came to power and everyone was like, oh, this dude is like young and vibrant and he stands up to old, Trump, yeah, yeah and and yeah. you know a lot of people are like, oh, this he's so interesting and everything. But now I think there's a bit of a, a bit more, you know, as any politician would have, like a bit more criticism of 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 his approach towards certain things. So one of them was like, yeah, like he's not he's not strong enough against um a, a lot of uh, religious extremism and things like that. So he's had to you know make changes in his cabinet to get more uh people who who are you know supposedly can enforce law and order and things like that. Like. so yeah, to me that that like like what you said, maybe it's not fully what he he believes or what but because it's politics because there's election coming and everything he, he has to appear very strong and take a very strong stand against uh, against uh, against the particular religion itself lah. yeah but but then okay like if we just if I were to ask you and I know this is a fucking loaded question do you think uh, he was right to kind of park this under the general broad stroke of like Islam and a problem with the religion as opposed to, you know, we always hear a terrorist is a terrorist. doesn't matter mm. what religion. Yeah. Why do you have to ascribe it to a certain religion? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. What, what do you... In some sense, I I do think it was a bit too broad la, when he said that, oh, the religion is in crisis. I mean, broad, mm. like, like every religion, you know, has its... I, I think what, like something we learned while talking to... Uh, you know, true love is, and and then Pastor Myak from uh, Free Community Church is that every religion, as you think, even though everyone thinks of it as one institution, right? There's a whole spectrum. There's the progressive side, then there's the conservative side of the same religion, and they can all coexist in the same country, in the same town, in the same uh area, la. So I mean, you can imagine as well, like even the Muslim world as well. You know, like there are more moderate uh places like Malaysia and and. And then the community in Singapore, for example. So, it's it, to to just broad stroke say that the whole religion is is facing a crisis is a bit much, like I feel. And then um, mm. doesn't take into account that there are even moderate Muslims within the community who are taking very active steps to try and, um, you know, try and curb the extremism within their own communities, lah. Because I think every religion has extremists, right? Like you know, the, for example, like when the coronavirus hit, you know, there was like there was this uh Christian pastors in the US who were like will blow this virus away and he looks so scary and look like a devil when the videos were being shared on the internet. And and they were like, you know, we don't need masks in church and, and you know, saying pretty dangerous things like that. La. So so that's the kind of uh, religious extremism. Uh, in, in a sense also, I consider that religious extremism because it's it's almost like this, uh, 
this complete blind faith in that you know you'll be safe if you just you follow follow the the, the what your pastor says and things like that lah, right? Yeah. As opposed, to, and then you but you're actually endangering your own life and others' lives as well. So why 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 wouldn't you come out and say that yeah you know that the you know Christianity is in a crisis or or, or even talking about the the you know the 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 crimes that are happening within a religion like like when uh, there are certain uh, religious leaders who are caught uh, with you know taking advantage of of the charges under them young boys or young nuns or whatever you know you don't come out and say the whole religion's in crisis and all that like right so it, yeah, as, exactly. as a yeah as a head of a country. Uh, you got to be very careful with these words, and I think he has uh, perhaps, as a, especially as a politician, yeah, he might have crossed the line there, lah. And I mean, I think some of the things he said in the in the past was, um, basically, uh, Islam is a religion which is experiencing a crisis today all over the world, and this is an actual speech, like His quotes. Um, there was a need. There's a need to free Islam in France from foreign influences, and there is a need to build. Islam de Lumiriers or something, basically Islam of enlightenment lah. Mm. So so yeah, I, I get I get what you mean by saying that he can still point out the fact that like what you said, there are not all practices practitioners of Islam are terrorists. It's just this guy is a terrorist lah. Mm. Um, so but but I think it's also important that yeah when when when. We look at how countries react and all. Just understand that when a leader reacts, it might not be, have anything to do with his actual beliefs. It is just mm. about the political game as well. Uh. And I say yeah. this because, um, okay, the people who, who one of the most vocal critics of this is Turkey's president Erdogan, mm. right? Mm. Because they are having their own issues with, um, I think, how they are like uh, infiltrating another country and there's this, this tension with NATO and all that. And France is one of the most influential people in NATO. Yeah. Um, and I think Erdogan, who is quite uh, a firm believer of making Islam call to the running of Turkey, for him, acting as someone who is the defender of Islam makes mm. sense for him politically. Right? Correct, correct, and then yeah. for uh, for Macron, yeah, he's in French where secularism is embedded so deeply in the culture. Mm. Uh, you might alienate a few, but if you say this, you're going to get the support of many. Lah. And then I also, I also saw, I think India also stands with France. Mm. And I was like, wait, because if you think about it, Modi, as much as he doesn't say it, a lot of his policies seem to be skewing towards making Hinduism the core religion of India. So, mm. So it just feels like fuck, and and even if you go back in French politics, right when Sarkozy was a was the prime minister, apparently he was uh, in favor of kind of having a positive uh, laicite in in the sense that acknowledging that religion can sit aside the government uh, quite holistically, uh, And that was when he first took power. He met the Pope and all that. But in two thousand ten, he reversed his stance and then started supporting the burqa ban. So, mm. so it just feels like, whoa, shit. I think anything that you see these leaders do, you always need to question, okay, is, are they doing it for the, for the greater good or for, is it just their short-term uh, goal of staying in power uh, yeah. to do whatever they want? La? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, if one thing I learned from like, the time I spent in France was that uh, yeah, they do have very big issues of racism and, and uh, xenophobia especially because... Um, they have very large immigrant communities from, you know, from North Africa and, and yeah. other former French colonies and stuff like that, that that live together almost in, I mean, the word is very dirty, but almost like in ghettos, in public housing ghettos. So 
they would call those uh le, le, I think the term is le, le ban liu le ban liu uh b a n l i e u, and um mm. so you know in Singapore we say oh I live in public housing it's not it's like nothing nothing I mean the connotation I mean, most people live in public housing and in fact some of the public housing we're talking about can be damn nice lah you know you could be staying at the is it uh like like Dawson or no not Dawson sorry the What's the one that the super nice, the super nice one? Dux, the very nice. The Duxton, Duxton, the pinnacle, yeah. pinnacle, yeah, pinnacle, pinnacle, Duxton, yeah. So that, that that is almost as nice as like any private housing you can find, lah, right? Mm, so mm. so there's no there's much less stigma attached to staying in public housing. Whereas, like in France, when I was there, like you know when they talk about public housing, Le Banlieu, all that, it's always a, with like warnings about oh if you go there as a Chinese boy, you'll you know you might get robbed. You you know you gotta be careful, watch your wallet, things like that. And and it's true, lah. A lot of a lot of um, there's a lot of uh juvenile crime and stuff like that that emanates from there, and there are certain very good like French movies you can watch that actually dissect this topic in a very eloquent. Like what? Like what? Uh, there's this like movie what? called La 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 In La In like it's called The Hate. Uh, I think how do you spell H A I N E La In yeah. Like, but it's, no, it's la, basically the L A L A H H A I N E yeah La In like okay. yeah but H is silent like in French. So mm. so there's mm. a award-winning movie that, yeah, basically showed like these kids from the, from the banlieue like actually being stuck in overnight in in the city in Paris, uh, one night and and what happens to them lah. Basically, uh, I won't spoil for y'all lah, but it, it's quite it's quite uh yeah like it's quite quite a uh, um even yeah even today you you watch it you you feel like it could it could it totally could be real like it could be something that happens. So so yeah, France has this big. Um, issue with racism and and perceived racism against the minorities, against immigrants and everything already, lor. So you add onto that the context that a lot of the immigrant communities are probably, uh, you know, also could also be from uh practicing Islamic Muslims. countries, yeah, yeah. So there's this double layer. Is so beyond just what Macron is saying on the surface about religious extremism. There's that layer of racism underneath as well, lah. I think the one time that that racism kind of. Uh, took a hiatus was do you remember in 2018 there was this this Im- illegal immigrant who climbed four stories on a building oh, to yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. pull a, the child who was dangling off the edge yeah 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 that crack, was crack. fucking insane man and that went viral and yeah he was an illegal immigrant um, mm. and I think Macron himself said okay we will give this guy citizenship which yeah, just yeah. felt like mm, okay I mean it was it was it was something that really brought people together but at the same time I look at it I'm like okay so He's only he's only welcome if he fucking climbs four stories to save a dangling baby yeah. I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. there were some people who must have thought must thought must have crossed their minds. Let's get these babies, just dangle them off mm. different ceilings, and get these illegal immigrants to pay us to get citizenship la. Yeah. I'm sure there's some fucking black market guy, some black market entrepreneur who's thinking, you know, if we can put all these French. Uh, uh, Caucasian French kids in precarious yeah. positions and get these illegal immigrants to fucking save them, right? Yo, yeah. you got a business there, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, but then, correct, correct. like, th- and that's why when, when, you know, the whole French secularism thing, I also think like, okay, is French, can a country really be secular? Because, okay, you think about it, right? There's, how do you define secularism? Okay, it might not influence policy, but if it influences culture, culture ultimately influences policy. And I bring that mm. up because when... Notre Dame caught fire in France, right? In France, mm. right? Yep. That is predom like is primarily a a, a church, like right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Uh, it right? is lah. It is. Oh, I mean, but it was. It's also a. 
his, I mean, it's, historical. It's, it's, uh, his, I mean, yeah, historical building. It's it's you know in, institution in and I mean tourists like flock there all the time and everything. Yeah, like, right? So so exactly, it does hold cultural significance, like. And I know in the 1800s, 1700s, was when like say Napoleon was in power, he was mm. a big fan of of not make, of making France not secular. I don't know what the opposite yeah. of not secular is, but so I guess for something like that where there's a lot of uh, history okay maybe it's a cult it's a historical monument more than a religious monument but it still f- imp- uh, bleeds into the culture line. and then mm. when I was reading up also like you know US they claim do, does, does the US openly claim to be secular I mean they, exp- they in their constitution is okay right to free speech and all that but yeah. then so I think on paper they sound secular no so, so uh, yeah there's something is quite interesting like when I was in France because I was I was there I mean, we I, we were studying in a U.S. university, lah. So when I went to France on exchange, I was part of a group of American, so-called American students, uh, And I think the yeah. teacher took took pains to point out that, uh, yeah, I know maybe you're Americans, you all think you are secular, but look at your dollar note. You just turn your dollar note around. It says, "In God we trust." One dollar, yeah, you know. Right. And then, <laughs> and then when the president takes the oath, and then what's the last line? He says, "So help me God," you know. So it's it's, it's as much as the U.S. claims to be secular. That it's it's yeah. actually the French people feel like. Uh, the US actually is very a very religious state lah. Like there's a lot of uh, conservatism and, and because and yeah, religious even the people. president, the the president puts his hand on the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So it just feels like okay, like in some way, maybe f- the French are like, you know what? Fuck it, we want to be secular and we will be secular wherever possible. Whereas the US are like, yeah, we're secular, but yo, president, in God here's we the Bible. trust. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In yeah. God, then they they can say we never say which God. Right? Yeah, we never yeah. say which God. But yeah, then the God. thing about secularism is that you separate religion from the state, right? It's not just mm. a, a particular religion. So yeah. that's why I see that. I'm like, mm. I mean, even Singapore is supposed to be secular, but we all know it's not secular. Wait, wait, wait why, why, why you say that though? Why you say that? I mean, if you look at, what well, is the, 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 the loaded statement. I'm the, giving you a light, chance. I'm giving you a chance to clarify yourself. Yeah, I can feel Shamugan's eyes just piercing through my soul. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean a lot of the 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 issues that sometimes cause controversy are like let's say the three seven seven A and the kind of um, LGBTQ issues, which they cause a lot of tension because they are not befitting with religion, like mm. not just one religion, a few religions, and that ultimately trickles down to policy or it feels mm-hmm. like it mm-hmm. so that's where I'm thinking can a country really be secular and I guess it didn't help Macron when he said you know he's he, they're going to double down on their right to freedom of expression mm-hmm. um, so I think the people who are probably coming out of this the worst are fucking teachers man mm-hmm. and like the teachers in France have also come out to say that they are fucking nervous yeah, because yeah. apparently, apparently in the in the in the the educational website by by the government, um, the proposed curriculum for freedom of expression for thirteen year olds involves showing the cartoons. Mm. So it's not just this renegade teacher who went uh, off tangent and decided to implement his own. It is actually part of the curriculum. It's an optional thing, I think, but it's part of the curriculum. So mm. I mean, some teachers have come out. Of course, a lot of this is anecdotal, but. If you look at these people, if they're saying it publicly, there has to be, they, 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 likely there is some truth. La. So some of them were saying that after the Charlie Hebdo shootings, the day after, they didn't even want to talk about it in class because yeah. secularism and religion is now so political and, and so triggering that there's this fear la, how people will react. And you know, compared to maybe 20, 30 years ago when social media wasn't there, as a teacher, you teach something in class, 
there's really there's really no way to 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 validate whether you say that or there's no way for an angry parent to get that much momentum of angry parents around the country, lah, right? Yeah. But then yeah. now, like already being teacher is fucking hard. Mm. But then if you're having to skirt around uh being a teacher in a country that seems to want to promote uh, self-expression, freedom of expression. How the hell do you do that, man? So I, mean, I think even now teachers are kind of saying, how do they, how do they navigate this case? Which side, which side do they take? The 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 teacher who got murdered, he apparently did tell the students that okay, if you want to, if you're gonna get offended, step out. You can argue that okay, as a thirteen-year-old, mm. do you really know whether you're offended? Did you get offended, or is it more the parents? But it just feels like, god damn, there's a tricky situation. But I mean, that's where uh, I think you 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 said a lot in your in the last two minutes. Uh, I, I was trying to. I was trying to, you know, find a <laughs> natural pause that I could just bring up a point. I, I was wanna, I was mercurial, I'm, bro. Yeah, a mercurial red. Yeah. So everybody, you can wake up now if you if your mind has drifted off to like what you're eating for lunch or what. <laughs> but no, no, I think you raised a good point. In Singapore, are we really secular, la? Right. But you think about it, like, um, something like racial harmony day, for example. You know where, I mean, I know you hate it, everything. But hey, I'm hey, saying, hey, don't put words in my mouth. No, no, I know you. I, I know you. Hate it, I know you hate yeah. it. I mean, a lot of people think it's them stupid, you know, and it's oh, you're wearing ethnic costumes and it's them insulting, blah blah. But at the same time, right? Like, I think correct me if I'm wrong, lah. If you're French or what, even you know, but something like that could never exist in France. Like, it wouldn't be able to fly because of their constitution. Uh, mm. You know, celebrating another uh, other cultures. You know, like you know, having. Having a deeper valley celebration in a you know like a school mm. Catholic high and Catholic high for example even in the name of the school and things like that, all these things would not fly and then um, then how we know how in HGBs we force I mean we, we impose certain quotas in terms of like racial mix and stuff like that right, all that mm. is like it will not fly in a place like France because it would seem to be like yeah, I mean pro- whether it's profiling or even like that there's you're you're giving exception exceptional um. Exceptional, uh, uh, what do you call it? Exceptions to certain races mm. or religions and things, uh. Because so, so mm. that's why the rule, as um, as idealistic as it sounds and everything, it actually has a. It's like a double-edged sword, uh. It also has that side where, you one know, rule, like, like let's say like oh everything must be secular. We cannot judge a person based on his color or his race or anything, right? That mm. means that I cannot. We cannot impose something like HGB, the HGB race quotas or something like that, and so ends up. Yeah, the public housing become these ghettos of like uh of of all immigrants or all a certain group of people. Uh. And and I've mm. seen it firsthand and it's led to and, and there's been a lot of like violence and all these things. I mean, remember the movie uh Untouchable. Untush- yeah, yeah, Untouchable. Yeah, the in I mean in English is intouchables. Yeah. But it was yeah. it was I mean it was a bit of a caricature of characters from there, lah. But but the truth is when you know when I when I was spending time in France and all that a lot of perceptions that people had of the people from the these public housing estates and all was not good lah. So so it, it's it's yeah you know, it's tricky. I mean you know we say Singapore is like a Disneyland and death penalty and everything is so structured and imposed there, but in some ways it it protects us from from you know very crazier shit happening or so lah. Yeah, I remember a few weeks ago, I had to ask you when Deepavali is. And you told exactly. me, bro, it's 14 November. I thought you do. Like, be sensitive, fuck. man. Be sensitive. <laughs> How can you not know when Deepavali How can you be like planning work on Deepavali? You know, like that kind of thing. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, here we are, a Chinese person correcting an Indian person about when Deepavali is. Exactly. Isn't that so so magical? But yeah. then, like, okay, when you were in France, right, like, were yeah. the public holidays also... I know, I think they changed Easter to spring holiday or something. Is but 
I think so. That which oh. is a bit weird because they definitely have Christmas holidays. I'm definitely, sure yeah. they don't have Hari Raya holiday. Confirm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. They probably don't have I don't know, like uh what is a, a Jewish holiday? So uh, the black Rosh Hashanah is that, is that? or something. Right? Yeah. So so just feels like yeah, I think it's tricky because in nineteen oh five, I guess if you wanted to be a secular country, mm. uh it'll be easier. La. But yeah. now in such a globalized world to do that is going to be fucking hard. La. So it's interesting mm. to see where the politics of France would, would shift because the elections are, I don't know, next year or something. I'm not that familiar with how they conduct elections in France. Mm. But I know there's a there's a, uh, there's a a right wing that is gathering a lot of steam, la, right? The the Le Pen, Marie Le Pen, is it? Yeah, ma, la, that, the, 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 the party. La, la, that la, party. La, I'm not so sure what the name is. Le Pen Party. Front, Front National, is it? I don't know. I don't know the party, but I know France is one of those countries where the right wing is getting more steam. Like a lot of first world countries. La. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like... Yes, like uh, yeah. yeah it's, especially in Europe, la, right? I think, uh, you know, for for Europe, which was, you know, a whole continent that was ravaged by by racism and, and I mean, uh, extreme genocide and, and things like that, you know, it, only about, what, 60, 70 years ago? It's, mm. it's, it's quite amazing that we are, you know, so quickly starting to see popular support for these far-right countries and, and all that. There are still yeah. people who, who can remember World War II and tell you all the crazy stories from there. and But we already are already like seem to be forgetting those lessons of history. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, one thing that I forgot to point out earlier was that if you think about, okay, the general, uh, in by and large, a lot of Muslim countries in the world have vocally denounced Macron's statements. Mm. But the head of the French Council for the Muslim Faith, mm. Mohammed Massaoui, who is yeah. a yeah like he's a senior French Muslim leader. His call to for the Muslims in France was to ignore controversial cartoons, mm. and he reminded the followers that such caricatures are allowed under French law. And then he even compared it to a line, uh, I mean, to an example that apparently it's uh, that the Prophet Muhammad himself went through like, where, mm. according to Islamic tradition, um, he was uh, a, a crowd was poking fun of him by making pronouncing his name wrongly, <coughs> Terence, mm. um, but then he ignored the results. Uh, he ignored mm. the insults. So it just feels like, it feels like even within France, yeah. the Muslim leaders, I know this is just one Muslim leader, but it feels like for them also, if generally the French population is more in support of secularism, even amongst the religious people, then him saying it might be playing to it, but it just feels like, oh shit, like, um, there's so much baggage uh, under any of these statements that it's just worthwhile questioning everything you hear. La. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. I mean, that was yeah, my summary. La. In essence, like, every time we hear about, uh, you know, racism in other countries and, and or even racism in Singapore and things like that, it's always worth thinking about, okay, how would, how would this issue or how would it, how would this particular issue play out in another country? La? And then sort yeah. of seeing how you know how people would respond and everything. So then then that helps helps to give a bit of like uh context as to like, you know, is you know, how do we is this really racist or should we really be pouncing on it as racist and then is there a, is it is it are we jumping the gun too fast or, or what lah, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean now also there was one example that a friend forwarded me the other day for the purpose of uh, our podcast potentially was mm. I think there's the SG Clean campaign that is going around and a friend had forwarded him 
uh, a screenshot of one of the cartoons that showed uh, uh, a cleaner and whose ethnicity was clearly Indian. La. And I clearly. saw the guy why, why post... Clearly? Why so clearly? Darkest. This, I, as an Indian person, I can tell cartoons' ethnicity <laughs> very accurately. Huh? You know, yeah, but uh, what, what specifically? La? Like, uh, just I darker mean, dark, skin. La. Like the, the stereotype, like dark skin. And all. Okay, so that whole stereotyping is a whole other issue. Uh, yeah. But it was clearly Indian, okay? By all... By all no, but, uh, exactly, but that's the thing. Maybe what if it's a dark Fuck, skin? Taking, taking me away from the point. That what if it was meant to <laughs> okay. be like just a very tanned, dark skin person? I mean, um, you well, you could... In f- like uh, let's see if there's a name or anything uh, okay so ch- okay he's just a dark skin person okay maybe not Indian he's dark skin okay he's dark okay, skin okay. and a cleaner okay. which is a it is a stereotype la. so one a friend of mine actually posted it on his Facebook saying okay uh, how could this be approved but then all that friend took or all that friend forwarded was one picture in the whole campaign there are three pictures of three cartoon, cartoon characters in different and of different skin colors, lah. Mm. So, so it just feels and all like doing, all doing menial tasks, or yeah, all doing menial oh. tasks. Okay. So that's where I was like, okay, lah. You, in in this day and age where everyone is so on edge, you also need to be kind of cognizant that okay, if you wanna, you if you wanna think about an issue, you need to get the full context, lah. Which is why mm. we also wanted to talk about this because on the surface. You can have one opinion very strongly, but if you dig deeper, there's a lot more to think about. Mm. And that's why we just wanted to wrap our heads around it. Yeah, correct. correct. And remember, just uh, I think a few weeks ago, we spoke about the issue of wearing tudongs, at least the staff at, yeah, at, tanks, at tanks, right? Wearing a, a being, you know, or supposedly not being allowed to wear a tudong. La. And then people started pulling out saying that Tanks is a Christian is a Christian organization mm. founded by Christians and blah blah. And, and so that's why I feel like, oh, you know, it can get quite dangerous. La, like where, where one maybe a manager's uh poor judgment or something suddenly becomes, you know, like the whole organization is this like religious extremist that doesn't want to allow other other religions to display the to display the 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 you know uh to 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 be seen inside the building uh. and so yeah it's it's quite when you jump when you make those logical leaps just based on you know certain uh links that people online put together it's it's quite it's quite it can be quite scary uh. yeah so so I think it's just about you know finding realizing the context taking pains to understand situations fully and mm. the day if you are a Chinese person you can correct your Indian friend about the date of Deepavali. Then you know you have made some progress, lah. <laughs> uh, Terence still has a long way to go, uh, but to me that was a step in the right direction, lah. Plus, a step plus, in the right direction. Plus, binging on Indian matchmaker, lah. <laughs> yeah, that, until you respect me a lot. After la, that. Indian matchmaker, you respect me a lot after that. Unless la, you right. want to binge on Sima from Bombay the whole time, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, I <laughs> so, think that that earned me that earned me a lot of. Uh, a lot of kudos from Harish lah. Like, when I told him <laughs> hey, hey. after no, the weekend, self-step I, was, your own. I was like, <laughs> don't "Dude, I finished your... Indian matchmaking, man." <laughs> That's your no, don't self-congratulate. So, in your mind, your gen chart from going from like uh, ignorant uh, idiot to kind of like enlightened, you know, like uh, uh, ex, uh, how you say, enlightened person of all religions. Your gen chart, your milestones are like watch Indian matchmaking, know the the dates of religious festivals and all that. Correct, it's correct. still progress, lah. Give you yeah. that, lah. Give you next that. Next time, next time you try, lah. You progress. walk, you walk into, you know, you meet your old, uh, you know, Chinese friends from RI all that. They say, hey, uh. remember Shaolin Soccer? Wow, I love that movie, man. Stephen Chow, yeah. damn funny. <laughs> wow, suddenly crouching like tiger, everyone tr- crouching tiger, also yeah, crouching, crouching tiger. tiger. Everyone will be buying, buying you a, a beer 
or pai chiu and then had like drinking with you, man. <laughs> they are like, finally, they understand us. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> he understands us. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why racial harmony day. Fuck all mm. the stupid things. Just have on your display, you have Indian matchmaking, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm. and... I feel whatever I say now could be have multiple repercussions. But a show <laughs> from Surya. A show from Surya. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Please. Yeah. Please do. An English one. That's <laughs> a normal English one also, Ken. And, thank- and Ken, Ken, which is the definer of all things Singaporean. Right? Correct, correct. Oh, actually, Pua Chukang. Pua Chukang had a Indian person playing. No, but Singlish Chinese. is not good. Singlish, oh, Singlish okay. remember, correct, the correct. speak good English campaign. Correct, correct, correct. Yes, yes. Fucking hell. But yeah. But yes, that was a serious topic. Now on to, yeah. Now on to a goofier topic that's much closer back home. Yeah, uh, which closer to home, but uh, also it's, it's a bit goofy, but a bit like wow. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about about it as well, lah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, basically, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I think um, uh, Zhao Bao, which is the Chinese, uh, the Chinese daily newspaper in Singapore. Uh, did a little social experiment video which they put out on the internet and, and you know, a lot of people are sharing it. Where because now in uh hawker centers, which is you know, like street street stores, la, street food stores in Singapore, hawker centers uh allow uh different forms of why uh cashless payment, meaning uh, you can use a QR code, you can use services like PayNow, PayLa, or even like I think WeChat or different Different services like using apps to mm. make payments for food la. and and it's and we're talking about small amounts like you know usually hawker center the food is no more than like five six dollars at a go la. so they did a social experiment where they went to these stores that were doing this wireless payment because it was is everything is quite newly implemented as you can imagine during the whole COVID period and circuit breaker and lockdown and everything um so they I think they went to six different hawker hawker stores. And then what they did was they bought food earlier from these stores. Then after that, they took screenshots of the of the screens that said, congratulations, you, you've made the payment or you've made the transfer. And then they, after that, passed that screenshot to another colleague of theirs. And then that colleague went to these six different stores and tried to fake payment by showing this this fake screenshot to the hawkers, the hawkers la, who were doing this cashless payment. And um, out of the six that they tested, they got away with four of them. So four out of six, they managed to almost get a free meal. La. I mean, obviously after that, there was a hidden camera and then after that, they actually told the truth to the hawkers and probably, I hope I hope they paid them for the food. Uh, and mm. then, but yeah, out of that, so we're talking about like four out of six, which is, I mean, it's a majority already, la, right? Uh, mm. So they also interviewed the hawkers asking, oh, how come you didn't catch this and all? And, and you know, they, some of them, they were saying, saying that they, you know, they, they don't have the time to go and check their phones or check the, for the receipt and, and things like that. So there's there's a lot of, still a lot of room for, for them to get, um, you know, conned by someone who doesn't have very good intentions. Lah. So what do you think of this social experiment when you first heard of it? Because, I mean, as you know, Ministry of Funny, we... We were one of the first to do social experiments on videos in Singapore, lah. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought it was a good idea, sir. And like, fuck, I'm like, we sh- we could have totally done this because, uh, it actually highlights a problem mm. and it does it in a way that is it feels like like I would I I I want to watch I watch the video uh, like I would be compelled to watch this video, lah. Mm. You know because I mean I also sometimes have you bought anything using cashless payments at a hawker center. Uh yes, I have yes. Yeah, and I mean the experience. If you're an asshole, right? There are many ways to just 
like what the uh, like the article insinuated uh, to get yep. away with it lah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Correct. So, but what do you think is the just... problem that that it highlighted lah? Uh, to be more specific. Um, the fact is that it feels like okay, it's a it's a good technology that to work towards, but the it's almost their focus is on making it more convenient for the consumer, but. I don't know for a person who's getting paid doesn't feel that like it's that convenient or at mm. least it, it just feels like for them okay so anytime you want to adopt new technology or something there must be some benefit lah but I'm just thinking from the hawker's perspective you don't get cash uh, on hand right mm. uh, you have to have these new terminals installed or something like that and on top of the struggles that you're already facing as a hawker it just feels like oh uh Feels like the implementation is not that good, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've I've always been a bit resistant to to going cashless on certain things. Like, and, and yeah, like you can call me a dinosaur, or what? But the truth is, I've been you know everyone has been fucked over by a bank at some point in their lives, like Whether it's like you're trying to pull up an old uh you know an old statement or something like that. Last time they would send you the statements on paper, but then now they're like, oh, let's go paperless, and it's all blah blah. blah. And then you say, oh shit, I need I need a statement from like eighteen months ago. And then they're like, oh yeah, that will charge. They will that will cost you fifteen dollars just to send you the electronic copy yeah. of the statement. Then I'm like, what the fuck? That just cause like is digital now doesn't mean that you you should be fucking like like you know using that to extort more money from me. You know, I mean I I would totally get it if like everyone only got printed copies and I wanted a printed copy, but I'm asking for it electronically. It doesn't cost like fifteen dollars. The paper doesn't cost fifteen dollars or anything like that, like You know. So, so yeah. it's it's for me it's like like what you said like a lot of times they 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 talk about the benefit for the consumer. I'll, I'll go one on top of that. There's there's a lot more benefit for the banks and all the companies involved in these transactions Ooh. than there are for the consumer or the or the merchant directly la. And 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 I think um some of these things you can't be helped because they are profit making companies, right? They need to make the profit, but there needs to be yeah a lot more. Uh, regulation and, and intervention and, and just watching over this whole space like, as opposed to you know yeah cashless payment is great you know and everybody who can do uh, any companies that can do cashless payment is fantastic and just let them do whatever the hell they want uh. yeah so and I mean that's where even as recent as a few weeks ago there was this teenager who was caught for exploiting a loophole mm. that cheated comfort yeah and essentially what he did was like he would book the the taxi ride uh, mm. with insufficient funds and he realized after that that the the ride would still be complete but there'll be no money that's deducted mm. and he fucking did it like I think that's the crux of what he was doing and he like $2,600 he managed to cheat them thankfully he got caught but yeah. it just feels like these new technologies that come in like what you said there will always be a driver of it uh, and I pardon the pun because we're talking yeah. about taxis but the driver would probably be the tech company the banks mm. but I mean rarely uh, I think do they think about the value for the in this case the hawker mm. uh, like the taxi drivers I mean there's the incumbent you can talk about making things more efficient which I agree and the whole industry already shifted to that you know if the mm. incumbent didn't innovate there's almost they would lose out but for yeah. these hawkers like like what you said I also had this experience a few weeks ago where I needed to confirm some paper like statement from the bank and it took me like fucking $60 yeah, you know, yeah huh? exactly what the fuck you know and you can imagine for a lot of these uh, hawkers who I mean 
yeah, they are already facing a lot of struggles. COVID does not help their situation. And for this, you know, like, I would imagine they do daily bookkeeping or yeah. like weekly. And if you have this divide between like the 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 cash um and the the transactions through these sort of apps, um, it'll make things difficult. Like, and I'm I don't mm. know. I I I assume there's no real incentive for these hawkers to adopt these sort of platforms. Mm. Um, I don't know. So this is where I might be jumping ahead of myself. But I can't imagine there being that much uh, like financial incentive or subsidy la, for these hawkers to to adopt these sort of technologies because these technologies yeah. are still private companies and private companies, well, uh, they don't always look out uh, for the best interests of their users. La. Yeah, um, and I think, I think you, you can take a step back from from everything and, and you, yeah, it's just basically we, we've come to that same crossroads again. La. You know, big tech, big tech companies claiming that, oh, it's not up to us to have to regulate what is going on on our platforms. It's up to the user. You know, the user can decide, you know. So like, you know, these payment companies can say, oh, it's not up to us to tell the hawker that he should check his, check that he receives this, check that he receives that, that kind of thing. And if something bad happens on our platform, you know, it's, you know, it's not our fault. Lah. It's your hawker's fault or it's the consumer's fault. And same like Facebook. Oh, you know, like the fact that there was, there were very, there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of fake news on our platform. You know, it's not our thing to you know we just allow the communication. That's what our job is. It's not up to us to check what's going on or who who is using what. So a lot of tech is implemented, um, you know, supposedly out of the for the advancement of humanity, but they always ignore the very fact that there will be bad players who are looking to exploit this technology, lah. And and, yeah. and and there seems to be we 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 seem to finally be coming to realization because you see. The U.S. Congress, you know how they're grilling Facebook, how they're grilling Twitter, how they're calling for the, you know, the, the, the antitrust for Facebook all, right? to be, yeah, yeah, for antitrust uh, comments like basically asking for Facebook to break, be broken down to smaller components and all. They're seeing finally that you know the there's only that much that the tech, big tech companies and all these platforms can say that oh we are like just platforms we are agnostic we don't have any responsibility somebody has to take responsibility for something uh, and and we, as much as people like to say that, oh but this is technology uh, what are you going to do you're going to restrict technology you go back like you know the 30 40 years when when the people in the spotlight were for example petrochemical companies saying oh you know like leaded petrol is is totally fine the research says it's fine you know there's no it goes in the air like nothing and you know there's research that says that 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 doesn't do anything to our earth and doesn't do anything to our health and all that and by the time you implement you know changes and force them to you know clean up the act and all it might be too late already lah there's a lot of damage done there's communities that are harmed and things like that and so that's where i i, yeah. I feel like every time it comes to this kind of implementation of new technology uh that we need to have a lot more oversight on it and, and be be aware of its pitfalls as well. Like. And now it seems like, okay, uh, this article is still, I mean, if you watch the video, I don't know if you've seen the video, like, it's in Chinese, but the mm. first, it's a very long video and the first half of the video is a social experiment. The second half is, almost feels like a, an advertisement for how good cashless payment is, you know, you know, like they talk about, oh, how cashless payment, you know, they have to do this, blah, blah. But it doesn't address the root cause, the, the root, cause of the problem which is that there are still bad players and, and various uh, inefficiencies in the system that would cause uh, some unsuspecting hawkers to get conned uh, and, and how mm. how is that going to be solved you know like they need to find some way to really uh, make that easier Where, I mean, it can be very practical things like maybe everyone you know rather than a small terminal that you look at and all it has to be literally something bigger that screams at you okay or not okay or something like that right mm. Mm. So, so these these are things that that 
I think it should be on the platforms and the regulators to really think about. Uh. But that's the tricky thing, la. like the regulators, uh, I mean, would it be what, the N, like, I don't NEA. know, which, whichever ministry, NEA. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think there is one solution, right? uh, skills future, bro. <laughs> yeah, just have a course. Uh, and all these uh, hawkers who, you know, like went on their downtime, because, you know, their, their lives are learn walking to code, apart. Man. Learn to code. Yeah, learn to code. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Learn to code, skills future. You know, don't yeah. blame technology. I think, okay, the one argument I've heard, which I think is true, is that not just in the past uh, century, you know, um, every time there's a technological revolution when uh, some people will, will kind of like uh, be made redundant, unfortunately, yeah. right? But I think right now we're at a stage where, yeah, it would be, I think we should also find some way to make sure that as little amount of people are left behind as possible. I know that's yeah. a very idealistic thing and I don't know what the solution to this is, but I think, um, yeah, if 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 it makes uh, whoever's listening think about it uh, or if you all are in the space of tech or you have a, you know someone who's in the hawker business and we are saying things totally out of our ass, um, please feel free to share. But if you also see this as a gap, if there's something that could help plug this gap that would be great if this gives you an idea to start a business where you just have a layer uh, or like this speaker where you give it to a hawker and they would basically tell them okay the person in front of you is a fucking con man don't let the person go or okay good to go serve the food that also might be something la. or even like okay let's say let's say uh, I know we, we were being uh, uh, we were just being a little sarcastic about skills future but education mm. education is important like that means like literally uh, teaching uh, hawkers how to properly use the system, how to properly check for things, how to, you know, like if you are caught in the middle of frying something and then someone says, oh, I pay you already, how to double verify that, la, you know, like mm. education is important, awareness is important. So it could come down to like, okay, maybe these cashless payment providers, whatever, a certain percentage of their profit needs to be taxed and then that amount of money is used to promote, um, used to for education for the hawkers, for example, Used to pay influencers like 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 uh, you know, pay influencers like Tian Hao to to make uh, advertisements about how to use cashless payments and things like that la. I mean, okay, jokes aside, jokes aside, but but the truth <laughs> is, yeah, there 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 are ways to to do it. Of course, at the end of the day, like these uh cashless payment providers, they are going to make a profit from everything, and it doesn't need to be a huge amount, but a, a percentage of it, and you know, something that it is reasonable la, and to and to really reflect the fact that uh, they are being given an advantage, they are they are reaping a lot of rewards from the push uh, towards uh, you know cashless payments and the push towards adopting new technology la. And, and, yeah. and 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 so you know like uh, again like how from a broader picture is like how Andrew Yang and and uh, you know the the very hot presidential candidate at one point was saying like you know we need to tax uh, big tech companies more because they are reaping the benefits of a, a very changed world we live in. Uh. You know, now through COVID, yeah, yeah. Amazon is making so much money because people are being forced to stay at home and things like that. And and, and yeah, like, regulation also has to change to adapt to these dif- different environments and we can't just like sit back and just say, oh, you know, uh, everyone just do whatever the hell you want and, and yeah, like, let the consumer figure it out for themselves. Uh. Yeah, man. So... So, I mean, I'm not the biggest user of that app, but if anyone listening does use that app a lot, uh, I mean, these sort of cash-free apps, uh, and have certain thoughts, please do share in our subreddit. Yeah, yeah. 
So I mean, like, yeah. like even like the trace together tokens and stuff like that, right? Like now, mm-hmm. you know, we we everyone is not being distributed to everyone, and and it's seen as a way to really uh get everyone on board with like the trace together and and being more cognizant of uh your where you go and everything lah. Um, yeah, I mean, when they launched the trace together tokens, there was a mad rush to go and pick them up as well. So queues started forming, which kind of defeats the purpose of of social distancing as well, right? So mm-hmm. also like, I mean, things like that. Yeah, just always understanding that humans always, even when the technology is very fantastic or what, like when you implement this new technology, there always be some gap that that you need to account for for human uh mistakes, human error, human judgment, mistakes in human judgment. Like all those people who went to rush to pick up the trace together token, like, you know, they, 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 that should have been anticipated, like, knowing how Singaporeans love to be the first in line to get stuff and all. That's why but, now you're doing it in a more phased approach, right? Yeah, and then they say, oh, you can only go to your own particular CC and pick it up. You cannot go to others. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> It's like, but I think I guess I guess the the thing is probably any governmental organization now is kind of overwhelmed with a whole bunch of shit, um right, and we're not exactly shitting on them la. It's yeah. just we just wanted to highlight that for more platforms. I guess this this the the reason why we wanted to talk about this was more on the the tech side of things la, uh, and how the imbalance that's there la. Like if you have a sexy tech that benefits yeah. the consumer, yeah, it'll get approved. But uh yeah, uh we also need to have in mind the the people who also get the the other stakeholders la. Correct, and unfortunately correct. hawkers seem to get the short end of the bargain in many ways mm, that's right correct. many many ways well, well, yeah that brings us to our final segment of the day one the one shock thing what is your one so thing for this week okay so mine mine um so i I've, I've heard a few of my friends talk about this one guy called naval ravikant have you heard of this guy Yes, he's been on Joe Rogan before, right? Yes. Yes, yes. So and he's like, what, and, and yeah. he's some entrepreneurship thing, right? He's some yeah. Podcast. So, so, so what? What I've heard of this guy before, yeah, he's a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, successful yeah. founder of AngelList, an investor in like a hundred different companies, including Airbnb, Facebook, everything that on paper makes him seem like just another Silicon Valley entrepreneur. Mm. Um, but what? Um, I've grown to like about him is that I mean I think I think as cynical as I am of generally of self help gurus and all that I think there is a lot that you can learn from from people who have done cool shit and are willing to share their knowledge lah. Mm. But for a while I was like into the whole Anthony Robbins kind of thing where it's all about you know like very positive thinking and all this mm. stuff. And after that I was like okay then I swung the other way and I went down to Gary V you know like fuck your emotions you know nothing comes without hard work and all that. Then I was like okay but I think. Naval, what I like about him is that he's definitely achieved some cool stuff in life, but the way he shares the knowledge is actually very chill. Mm. Um, and I think the stuff he says, so he, yeah, he has his own podcast. He's, I guess, most prominent on Twitter. Um, and how he explained his post on Twitter is that he, whenever he's interested in something or something he learns, he tries to come up with a tweet to help himself remember it. And then he puts it there and it ultimately kind of resonates with a lot of people. So, I would say, I wouldn't say he's self-help. He's just a cool, he's like a cool uncle with good advice. Yeah. And I think the Joe Rogan podcast was the first time I consumed an interview with him. And some of the stuff he says, I, I actually like. like and, and his whole kind of mantra towards, okay, uh, how to live life, how to think about wealth, how to think about balancing wealth with happiness and how to, you hear all the buzzwords, you know, mm. how to hack your way to this, you optimize for that. But it's applied to 
spiritual things lah. And when mm. I was telling my my girlfriend about his approach to meditation, uh, which you know now meditation is like a cool thing, right? You know, everyone meditates. You're like, oh, you only meditated for 15 minutes. I meditated for 20 minutes. Nah, nah. Um, and yeah. there's all these prescriptive ways. The way he describes it is that to him, meditation is you just sit down and do nothing. If you want to think about stuff, that's fine. It's like clearing your inbox. You just think. Don't focus on focusing your breath on your breath and all that because that's still forcing something. You just sit down mm. for twenty minutes, close your eyes, stay awake, and that's meditation to him. So when I told my girlfriend that, she like she's like, "That's what I've been telling you so long about these other people that I've been telling you about." Then I'm like, "Yeah, but he just delivers it in a way that resonates with me, lah." Oh. Um, whereas, yeah, so I think he appeals to if you're a fan of Joe Rogan, chances are you're a fan of him. Um, yeah. Because my girlfriend's not the biggest fan of Joe, not say not the biggest fan of Joe Rogan, but listening to a three-hour interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson is not really her cup of tea, lah. Mm. Uh, at the same time, she sent me this twenty-minute meditation clip a few weeks ago, which I, I tried listening to it and I just fell asleep. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. But yeah, I've, I've so, heard it. I've definitely heard his stuff. In fact, I went to after listening to him on the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I like went to seek out his his podcast oh. and all that lah in small because I think oh. his podcast if I remember they are very short snippets they're not long at all yeah. they're like just daily because, short snippets yeah. his most famous Twitter storm was like this I don't know like 40 tweet uh, thread on how to be happy or something like that yeah, and it got yeah. so much traction that now he has a podcast series where he just explains each tweet in like 4 to 5 minutes mm, yeah yeah correct correct then I've, yeah. I've, yeah, I've so, listened to everything so yeah yeah it's fucking oh I didn't know I didn't know you're a my friend coined this term like it's Like I think that he has he's reached a point where he has fanboys lah, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and correct. what my friend calls himself is a naval gazer, <laughs> you know like, yeah. So, so 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 shout out to my friend, uh. Yeah. But yeah, that was why my one shock thing. So like that. what's the I, I well, say, what's the one thing the, that what's the biggest thing you've the learned Joe from Rogan, him? No, what's the biggest uh, thing you've learned from him? Oh, I think how it's it's um. You know, you know, world that you know prioritizes or almost glorifies material wealth and all that. He's a big mm. proponent of like, okay, material wealth is one thing, but yeah. you you can't always be chasing that. I mean, it's stuff that people have heard many times before. But um, in his in his world is that okay? Like the the goal of life is okay. Life is a series of games. You have the game of finding your loved one, finding mm. your work, and all that. And the goal is to to win a game, um, and then not have to play that game anymore, so that you can. Play catch up on the other games because for him is like if everyone is just thinking they want to chase material stuff as a game of life all the way to the end of their life, right? That's not mm. the the best way to go, lah. And I just like how he kind of distills this stuff that I've heard of before, but yeah. in a way that resonates with me, uh, and that makes me also want to take a step towards that. Uh, cute, cute. Hey, it's not cute, lah. Okay, it's deep. <laughs> it's deep real life evidence. Okay, I'm not fucking I'm talking about Hello Kitty or something. Yeah. No, it was. It's been a while since I've heard this stuff, but I do remember that at one point in my life, if I I felt like his, like his stuff really resonated with with the stuff I was going through at that point of time, so so I was really like bookmarking and listening and reading his stuff lah. Yeah. Was this before you met me or after? No lah. It's like one two years ago lah. Maybe. Then so, why you share? I'm sure I did, but the problem with you is that it unless like it comes recommended by one of your uh, your man crushes like Joe Rogan, unless it comes directly recommended by them, hey, you choose to ignore okay. it until no. later two years later. Then you're like, oh my god, Terrence, you know about this? I was like, yeah, I've been like, I heard this two years ago. Then you're like, huh? Is it? No. Oh, like, uh, like it's like when well when your people around you try and tell you things, then you just like choose to blinders blinders until Joe Rogan no. interviews a podcast. Then you're, oh my god, he's so amazing. Nonsense, <laughs> nonsense. I just check. 
I just checked the fucking our WhatsApp history uh, and oh shit, you oh, actually did send something yes, to me. Yes, I fucking sent you shit before. <laughs> uh, you, want, you want, oh, I go Google it. I go <laughs> check my that record what Terrence has sent me. Uh, yeah, no, oh shit. In your face. You sent it to me? You sent it to me what, January yeah. 2019. Oh fuck, exactly. and I just, just yeah. didn't give a shit. Yeah, you didn't give a shit. <laughs> Because it wasn't recommended by Joe Rogan, Larry David, or someone on SNL, or Mark Rebile, or one of these people. Because they never share, then you thought, oh, uh, yeah, everything else that Terrence, uh, everything oh else that everyone God. else reads is useless, right? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and you say that, you say that I like to exaggerate oh, shit, right? <laughs> God damn, okay, for once, Terrence, I have to eat my humble pie. Yes, please, please do. Enjoy I was so it. confident that if I search. There will be fucking nothing. Nothing, nothing. Right? I was already like trying oh to send you and trying to tell you, God. listen to this guy, listen to this guy. But like, you know, I'm not going to listen to anybody, <laughs> any advice from people who know me best and all that kind of thing. I'm not going to listen. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> so so when you sent me that message, uh, my response was, ah, okay, we'll listen later. And then I proceeded to complain about uh, our common friend's wedding coming up that Saturday and bitching about the fucking Ang Pao standard market. Rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's called that's called that's called navel gazing. That's called navel gazing for you, la, basically. If you want before to know before it what, became naval gazing. Yeah, before naval, naval gazing, gazing, Harish was navel gazing, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I stand corrected. Yeah. God damn, okay. I got nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like, It's quite funny. Yeah, because yeah, okay, literally well, this is those, one of those situations you caught your, your pants down you're like oh fuck yeah that's yeah, why I caught my pants down man pants fucking down and thousands okay. of people are going to listen to me getting my pants caught yeah. uh, getting caught with my pants down like. and, and to clarify this is not shitting on the one choke thing this is actually yeah, yeah, it's telling him that I your one choke yeah. thing I've been telling you about it for years already and you just chose to ignore it and then suddenly it's your one choke thing because you found out you found out about it yourself <laughs> Yeah, that is exactly the case yes. that is exactly um, the case yes so because okay, it's so Halloween, <laughs> Halloween is just yeah. like two days away, and I don't know if anyone's going to dress up and all that. But if you're going to just stay at home, and you have Netflix, I would highly suggest watching uh, Haunting of Bly Manor. It's uh mm. the sequel to. I mean, it's not really a sequel, but it's there was the first season of Haunting of Hill House, which was a uh, it was a I mean it was a uh, remake or, or it was an adaptation of a very interesting ghost story uh, about a family who who lives in a hill house. Uh, but mm. now the I think they wanted to do a prequel or sequel, and apparently I don't know what happened. They couldn't get the they couldn't get the rights or whatever something like that. something happened. Uh, so they decided oh fuck it let's do like a completely different story called ha- Haunting of Blind Manor. But we take a lot of the same actors from that first uh season and then just put them in, in other roles in the second season. So it's actually like mm. it was it's really quite fun if you follow the first season then you watch the second season and like hey. It's that same actress and everything, and then, and then now they're playing different roles, lah. And um, and it's still a very, uh, good, scary, interesting like uh horror movie told over like I think ten episodes, ah. So I've been oh, just watching uh a, a couple episodes a week because I I don't think I want to have that much scary movie, that much of a scary shit at one go. So uh, I think yeah, I'm in the last couple episodes just in time for Halloween this weekend, ah. Oh yeah. shit, that's cool. Because I yeah. think you have, you have spoken about that the other haunting series also like in with high regard la. Yes, yes, correct, correct. Yeah, I'm sure in two years time maybe you'll be like, oh my one show thing this week. <laughs> no, is no. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty it's sure the because I fucking hate horror haunting. shit. No, I hate horror shit. So no, I no. respect your one show yeah. thing, but I probably will not partake. 
But 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 I hate horror shit. That's the thing. This one is uh this second season is a lot less jump scares than the first season. But the story itself is very good. The story itself is very intriguing and, and everything. So uh the the first season was like a was like a jump scare slash wow the, what the fuck kind of moments, you know, a lot of big twists and turns. If you like that kind of thing, like, like six sense kind of twists and turns. But the mm. second one, I feel like there's less of that jump scares, but really much more of the story and the eerie atmosphere. La. So if that's why you if you can just open your mind a bit and try it out. You know, like how I asked you to check this guy out on, you know, Naval, this guy out on Joe Rogan. Check it out. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, okay, yeah, I'll check it out later. I'll check it I'll check it out later. Check it out. Meanwhile, out later. meanwhile, yeah. What, what are you gonna bitch about? Ah, okay, we'll watch later. <laughs> ah, ah, okay, we'll watch later. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's my one shock thing. Cool, man. Happy Halloween, awesome. everyone. Happy Halloween. And as always, please share your thoughts uh, with us on our subreddit or you can DM us on Instagram after which we'll probably tell you to go to our subreddit because mm, we got an okay. awesome community there. Yep. Cool. All right. All right. That's all for today. Okay. Bye-bye.